Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. John chapter 8, I want you to see that again. And then you can go to 2 Corinthians 10. John 8 and 2 Corinthians 10. And while you're turning there, uh, let's just pray together and let's open up our hearts one more time to what God is saying to us. Father, today, now that we come to the place where we listen to what you have to say to us, we open our hearts once again. Speak to us, Lord, as Samuel said, for your servant is listening. And everybody said, amen. amen. We, we're beginning, our, uh, or we're continuing, pardon me, a little mini-series called Loose the Noose, Finding New Levels of Liberty in Christ. Now, let me just explain this to you once again in case you weren't here. When you're born again, God liberates you from the control and the governance and the, and the slavery of sin. And you are liberated from that into the liberty of the, and the, in fact, the Bible says the glorious liberty uh, of, of, of Christ. But then in this life, we have to maintain that liberty. That's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, I believe we're at a place where we need to move to another level of spiritual liberty and freedom in Christ. And here's what Jesus said. Watch the words of Jesus. He said this in verse 31 through 33. He said, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, follow me now, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the what? The truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. I want you to say this with me, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then he asked, and they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Now they're not getting it. You need to understand most of the time we don't get it. They're not getting it. Uh, they had believed, they said, they said, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They were thinking about physiological bondage and, and, and you know, and slavery. But Jesus was speaking of a greater uh, uh, insight. He was talking about spiritual freedom. Everybody that is, has experienced the spiritual liberty of Christ, say amen. And so he answered them because they didn't quite get it. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, Whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave uh, does, does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son, big S, S-O-N, makes you free, you are free indeed. Somebody say free indeed. Now, that's where you and I need to come to in our life, where we are experiencing the liberty of Christ in our heart to where we can walk in a new level of liberty and say, you know what? I'm not only free, I'm free indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm not just confessing it, I'm experiencing it. And so that's what this series is all about. Last week, I gave you what I just termed as three phases of freedom that all of us uh, walk through at some point. The first one is our foundation of freedom. That's what happens when we're born again. If you read Romans 6, you'll see the foundation of freedom where when you're born again, uh, you're, in fact, Romans 6 says you're buried with him through baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life. And then he goes on to say you were once slaves to sin, but now you are slaves to Christ. You've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. That's the foundation that we lay. And how many of you know if we lay a good foundation, then we can build upon that freedom that Christ has, has provided for us. And the second uh 
phase of freedom that you and I experience in our life is a fight for freedom. That's where we are right now. In this life, it will always be a fight. There will always be resistance. There will always be adversaries in this life. And here's where we are in this life. We have to come to the place where we do not become complacent in our spiritual walk. And every day we fight the fight of faith, Paul says, and move to new levels of liberty. And that's where I'm going to speak to you uh, for a few moments uh, uh, about and maybe next week as well. <clears throat> And then the, the third level is when we all get to heaven, it's our final freedom. If you read Romans 8, you'll experience, uh, you'll, you'll see the word of God where it says when, when we, when this life is over, it, it talks about the creation is in, is groaning, uh, in, for, for the fulfillment of all things. He's talking about eternity. And that third level that you and I'll experience in heaven is our final freedom. There will be no more chains, no more bondage, no more sorrow. We'll move into our ultimate freedom in Christ. It's our final freedom. All of you that are looking forward to your final freedom, say amen. I'm telling you, uh, we think about eternity. Uh, and you know, I was, I was with the Grahams, uh, Thursday evening in their memorial service for Robert's mom. And I was reminded again, as I was sharing with them that, you know what, uh, the, the shortest amount of time we'll ever live anywhere is planet earth. Uh, there's eternity before us. And Paul said this about eternity. He said, it's far better. Somebody say far better. I'm telling you in this life, I don't know how good you think you've got it or, you know, but I'm telling you, heaven is far better. Somebody look around, tell somebody, say, heaven's going to be far better. It's going to be far better. You and I need to begin to understand that. That's our final freedom. And those are the three phases of freedom. Last week, I gave you just some simple, really a lot from John chapter eight, some liberty truth bombs. I want to give you, because it's the truth that sets you free. Here they are. Uh, you could go back and listen online at www.cotrnorth.com and get this message in its entirety if you missed it. But here's liberty truth bombs. Liberty, uh, true liberty is only found in Christ. That's true. Only found in Christ. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Number two was true liberty is only found through faith in the finished work of Christ. Even John 8, even before the work of Christ was finished, it reveals how they came into their freedom. It was those Jews who believed upon him. When you have faith in the finished work of Christ, what's the finished work of Christ? Remember Calvary? It is finished. It's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Truth bomb number three about your liberty. Truth, uh, true liberty is only found in the word of truth that you know. It's not the truth that you, uh, the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you, it's the truth you know. In fact, if you were in jail, let me back, let me just back up. You go, you're going to get this picture. How many of you used to watch Andy Griffith? Some of you still do. Okay, put your, how many of you still watch Andy Griffith? You just can't get enough of old Andy and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and what's his son? Opie and Aunt B. And of course, his sidekick, Barney Five. And if you really get, I mean, and, 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 you know, the, uh, if you, God bless Andy. But the interesting thing about Andy's jail, the key was right by the jailhouse. And old Otis would just let himself in and out. When he'd get a little souse, he'd let himself in and out. You know, let me, let me just explain this. When you go, if you were in that jail and you did not know the key was there, 
Your lack of knowledge was, would keep you from finding liberty. The truth is the key's right there. All you got to do is reach around, get the key and unlock it, and then you're free. But the truth does not set you free. Tell somebody, the truth won't set you free. It's the truth you know. And so I just want to affirm that for you again. And so we're going to talk about that more this morning. And then truth bomb number four, true liberty is only found in a lifestyle of following in the footsteps of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Liberty is a lifestyle. In John 8, he said, uh, you're my disciples indeed. How many of you know disciples are Martin are disciplined followers of Christ? And so our liberty is found not just in a one-time experience in the altar. Thank God for that foundation of liberty. But true liberty in this life is found in following Jesus and making that our lifestyle. And all God's people said amen. amen. Now this morning, I want to focus on the second phase of our freedom. That's our fight for freedom. Our fight for freedom. You know, there, there's you've seen this in... in uh, different cultures and different countries. They're called freedom fighters. They're, they're revolutionaries. They're, 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 uh, fighting for a cause. And, uh, we all need to be freedom fighters. Fighting for our liberty. Because if you don't fight the fight, you will lose your liberty. And, and we need to understand that. I was doing a little Google search about some of our forefathers and I read a, a, a quote from Thomas Paine. Interesting thing about Thomas Paine. Uh, he was not well liked. Uh, and, uh, but his, his, uh, what did he write? Common sense, I think. And it was about liberty and he, and, you know, and he was, he was, uh, he was from England. And so his, his work common sense stirred up the people in America to, to gain their liberty from the, from the crown, from the king and from the rule of Britain. And, and so he was very influential in, uh, in America's, uh, of freedom and liberty that we experience today. He was not a believer and he was not well liked uh, among the, the believers uh, in America because he just was, didn't believe in God, but he believed in freedom. And he said this, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the, fa the fatigues of supporting it. Let me read that again. Those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. You know what he was saying? He was saying, if you want to be free, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to, in our context, fight for it. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, and, and if you think about our forefathers, you know, and when they penned their declaration of independence, I'm telling you, under the, I believe, the inspiration of God Almighty, they gave up their sacred honor. They just laid it all down. They gave up resources. They did whatever. And, and Thomas Paine knew that that liberty that they, that they were beginning to experience, if we didn't maintain it, if we didn't undergo the fatigues of supporting it, we would lose our liberty. My friend, Thomas Paine didn't really realize how spiritually true he was about our spiritual walk with Christ. You see, here's, let me just give you this insight and lay this foundation when we talk about the fight for freedom. Uh, Number one, our spiritual freedom as I, is conditional. Our continued spiritual liberty in Christ is conditional because it demands our active participation. Are you with me? Say amen. 
It's conditional. In other words, you got to realize if we don't actively participate, if we don't like Thomas Paine undergo the fatigues of supporting it, we will lose the liberties that we experience in Christ. I gave you some of these last week. I'll give them to you again. If you go back and even John 8, uh, 31, I'll call it the big if. If, here we go, here it is. Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if, there it is, there's the conditional element. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is he saying there? you got to do your part. I did my part on the cross. It is finished. Now you've got to cooperate with what I've done on the cross. <coughs> Pardon me. And in this, in this fight for freedom, you've got to do what you need to do in order for your uh, in order, as the context, as the title of this message, in order for us to move to another level of liberty, we've got to become freedom fighters. Sadly, in the church today, there are not many freedom fighters. They're they're freedom fakers. They come to church, not you, of course. You come to church, you go. I'm free, free, free. Thank the Lord. I'm free. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. I'm free, free, free. And you go home to your bondage and you never shake loose and move to another level of liberty. We're freedom fakers. How many of you don't want to be a freedom faker? Look at somebody around you and say, we can't be freedom fakers. We can't fake it. Bree, you can be mine. We can't be freedom fakers. It's got to be real. We've got to become freedom fighters. Galatians 5.1, I shared it last week. It says this, it reveals this, the, this truth, this reality that our spiritual freedom is conditional because it demands our, our active participation. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's a big one. Uh, and, and so it demands our active participation. If you go to Ephesians 6 and you look at the armor of God, which we may hit on just a little bit, Ephesians 6. In fact, all of us need to put on the armor of God. Uh, I don't, you know, one of the, I've said this before, uh, you know, one of the most common dreams in America or in the world today is there's some common dreams. You know, one of the most common dreams that, that people have in, in the world today. Anybody want to know one of the most, it may be the most common. It's finding yourself out in public naked. I don't know if you, anybody ever had that dream? Okay, just me and Tommy. We're the only honest ones in the bunch, Tommy. It's okay. Everybody's dreamed that dream. We've all, you go, oh, I'm, I'm out. And it's a very common dream. Did you know a lot of God's people are walking out into the world, into life, spiritually unclothed and unprepared. They don't have the armor of God on in their life. And therefore they're freedom fakers. They're not walking in new levels of liberty because they don't have the armor of God on. And Ephesians six, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And then he tells us, put on the whole armor of God. In other words, you have to be actively involved. How many of you are not babies anymore? All the adults say, amen, hallelujah. We're not babies. You know, we, in fact, I watching, I was watching Gideon. Gideon's growing up. He's not a baby anymore. And he wants to put his clothes on himself. He was putting on his shoes yesterday and his socks and he was taking a time. 
and I wanted to help him. I thought, no, he's learning to grow up. He wants to do it himself. And we, we put on our clothes. But spiritually, we walk out into the world ill-prepared. Ill we're not cooperating with what Christ has done for us. We're not participating. We're freedom fakers rather than freedom fighters. Hey, First Timothy chapter 1, uh, and, and really all through the First and Second Timothy, you see Paul the apostle saying, fight the fight. Fight the fight. You gotta engage yourself. Fight the fight. Somebody say you gotta fight the fight. And so, in fact, he said this, uh, to Timothy. He says, you gotta, you gotta fight. If you're gonna walk in the liberty that Christ has for you, if you're gonna move to another level of liberty, you gotta fight the fight. So it demands our, our participation and our involvement. And in this life, listen carefully, the three phases, the ones in heaven, the final freedom, ones when you got born again, the foundation of freedom was laid in your life by the cross of Christ. That's the foundation. Everything in between is a fight. Are you with me? We gotta fight the fight. We gotta be warriors. I want to talk to you just some simple, and let me just tell you, if you've been around a while, nothing I'm going to say to you in the next few moments is new. But how many of you know Peter actually said this? I'm going to keep reminding you about these things, and I'm going to keep after you about these things. In fact, Peter said, I think it's first Peter, might be second Peter. He said, and I've built a system after my death. I'll come back uh, for, through others, and I'll continue to remind you of these things. I'm going to keep talking about things that are important and imperative. And so if you don't want to be a freedom faker, you got to be a freedom fighter. you got to be a warrior. you got to get up and do some spiritual battle. And warriors, number one, need weapons. Everyone say warriors need weapons. Now, are you in, did you turn to 2 Corinthians? I didn't. Did you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? If you did, say, Pastor, I turned there. I'm there. I want everybody. Did you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Did you, or did you flip there? How do you do it? Swipe there on your phone? Did you, did you pull up the app? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is revealing some insight about the spiritual warfare that is going on, that not has gone on, that not will go on, but that is going on. Listen carefully. Right now, in the heavenlies and around us, there's spiritual warfare going on. The spiritual forces of wickedness. That's why, remember Ephesians 6, for, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Look what Paul says in verse 3. I'll jump in there. For though we walk in the flesh, stop and look up at me. He's not talking about sinful flesh. He's just talking about being a, being in our physical body. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, our warfare is not of this natural realm. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, pastor. And then he says this, for the weapons, there we go, warriors need weapons. Everybody say, warriors need weapons. Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is natural or physical, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself uh, 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 against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the open obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is fulfilled. Paul says, listen, the source of our battle is spiritual. If you try to, if you try to, uh, 
a, a war against spiritual foes with physical means, you will lose every time. You got to be spiritually weaponized. You've got to have the weapons of your warfare at your disposal. And they're not natural weapons. These aren't, these aren't guns and, and, and bows and knives. These are spiritual weapons. And we could name a lot of them. Uh, you know, for example, prayer, I believe is a spiritual weapon that we must wield against the powers of darkness. Uh, but I want to give you two, uh, uh, this morning, that if you'll begin to use them, of course, along with prayer in your life, you will begin to move, you will begin to move to another level of liberty, and it will begin to happen immediately. Somebody say immediately. And here they are. He says they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. There's strongholds in this world, spiritual strongholds that these weapons will begin to pull down. They're mighty. Somebody say mighty in God. Here they are. Number one, we weaponize our, our spiritual life with the truth of God's Word. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 8. He said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That word abide means to stay, to continue, to keep on keeping on. And he's talking about the power of the word of God in our life. You think about Jesus. This is, hey, Jesus, uh, what was the first thing that happened? I love this. You know, when we get baptized, if you get baptized and born, born again and baptized, you may Maybe your friends and family will take you to, to, to Luby's or something and celebrate. Jesus, when he was baptized, the first thing the Holy Spirit did was let him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And, and you know, in the wilderness, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and there the devil began to tempt him. The spiritual forces of wickedness began to tempt him and test him. And how did he overcome those forces of wickedness? He did so by the truth of God's Word. Every time the devil would throw something at him, he would say, It is written. Everyone say, It is written. It is written. Somebody say, It is written. The problem with the church, as free, if they're freedom fakers, the reason they're faking is because they don't know the Word of God. They don't know the power of God's Word. Jesus said, if you abide, stay, and continue in my Word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Now, the truth is God's Word. He, in fact, he said, my Word is truth. You'll know the truth, you'll know God's Word, and that truth will make you free. Jesus knew the Word, He knew the truth, and He wielded it against the powers of darkness, and the Bible says the devil left Him. Somebody say amen. And it's so important for us to understand this. In fact, if you go to Ephesians, and we were to look at the armor of God. There are two pieces of armor that reflect the necessity of the Word of God in our life. He says, put on the belt of what? Truth. Gird your life with the belt of truth. 
We already, I just told you the word of God is truth. And he's saying you gird, in, in fact, he says, gird your loins with the belt of truth. In fact, if you want to get a little more specific about being victorious, he's talking about girding your creative powers. You're, uh, you're getting what I'm talking about. The creative flow. He's talking about the reproductive capacity. He says, you know what? You're, let me just say it. The kids are gone. Your sex life needs to be girded with the word of God in your life. You see, the devil's biggest trap for America today and really the world is immorality. And so he says, put on the belt of truth. Let the word of God. Listen, it's not what our culture is saying. It's what does the Bible say? I don't care what you, hey, listen, it's not okay to be immoral. It's not okay to have sex before marriage. It's not okay. Uh, uh, Listen, it's what does the Bible say? It's the truth that we know that will set us free. It's the word of God. In fact, the Bible talks about, and oh, one other, and then he talks about you, you take up the sword of the spirit, which is the what? The word of God. That's what Jesus did uh, in, in the wilderness. He took up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about the sword of the Spirit. He said, he said the Word of God is like a sword. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Whoo! Somebody say amen. In other words, let me just say this. The Word of God is superior to anything that you might try or fi- figure out in your own strength. The word of God. Somebody say amen. So we need to weaponize our life with the word of God. And and Jesus said this, if you abide in my word, I'm talking about live, stay, continue. That's the way it has to be with disciples. We live, stay, and continue. And and let me just tell you something. Freedom fakers, they're always saying, gosh, man, I should have done this. Gosh, I should have read my Bible. Gosh, I should have been more spiritual. Gosh, I should have got up and prayed today. Oh, dadgummit, I'm just not doing right. And then the devil comes and he steals, kills, and destroys our lives and our family and our kids because we don't keep our life saturated with the word of God. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. (coughs) Somebody say amen one more time. In fact, let me throw this at you. I think the first Sunday in January, April, which I don't have the date in front of me. That's not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday. Is it? Anybody look at it? Somebody look in five. April 2nd. April 2nd? Sunday, April 2nd. I'm going to begin a series on the Word of God and the power of God's Word. In fact, uh, uh, we're going to connect with uh, Rick Warren and one of his uh, emphasis, 40 days in the Word. Somebody say 40 days in the Word. We're going to learn it. We're going to live it. Uh, he's got three things. We're going to there's learn it and live it. I, there's one more. And, and you, you can't just learn it. You got to live it. That's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 8. He's talking about living your life under the control and the governance and the influence of God's word in our life. So you get ready for the next. And as we begin April, we're going to have 40 days in the word. We're going to just we're going to saturate our lives in the word of God. We're going to memorize the word. We're going to study the word. We're going to learn to live the word. Somebody say amen. Why? Because it's it's the weapon of our warfare that if we'll wield the word of God, we'll move to another level of liberty in Christ. And the second one I want you to see today 
is God's gift of faith. God's gift of faith is a weapon of our warfare. Interesting thing about it, it's certainly connected to the Word of God. What does Romans 10 say about faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So this, hey, the more you hear the Word of God, catch this, the stronger your faith becomes. And the stronger your faith becomes, the more you can wield that faith pardon me, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In fact, here's what it says about faith. God has allotted to everyone a measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you have faith. Everybody's got a measure of faith. But that measure of faith needs to grow and mushroom and become stronger and stronger and more influential and more uh, uh, impacting in the earth and more authoritative against the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness. If you go back to the armor of God, there it is again in Ephesians 6 verse, oh, let me see, verse 16. He says, and, uh, and above all, now this is interesting to me, when it, and I don't know if he's he, it looks to me like he's putting high regard to this one. You know, the belt, they're all hugely important. The helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. He said, above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench. That is to extinguish. Catch this now. It's directly linked to, to, to spiritual victory in your life. He says, above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you'll be able to extinguish all, not some, but all the fiery darts of the evil one. It's God's measure of faith, gift of faith, and it's a shield. And that shield is not just protective. It is, uh, uh, it is, it is offensive rather than just defensive because it goes forth and extinguishes those fiery darts of the evil one. It's God's gift of faith to us. And we've got to use it and wield it and engage our faith in the world we live in. Listen, if there's spiritual warfare going on around you, and there is, the last thing you and I need to be doing is doubting God and his word and walking around in fear and doubt because, oh, the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Some of our kids think there's some ghosts in the church. I said, there's only one ghost in this church. It's the Holy Ghost. There's no such thing as ghosts. Tell your kids there's no such thing as ghosts. There's spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, uh, hey, but not in the context that our kids maybe think. And, and so when, when we in, engage the enemy, we must engage him in faith. We can't be fearful and doubtful and, and apprehensive in this spiritual warfare because listen, if we will, if we will engage the enemy with the word of God and with the faith of God in our life, he will flee from us. Are you with me? I love what Peter said in first Peter chapter five, verse eight and nine. He said, he said, the devil comes, the thief comes. The devil comes uh, to, to hurt us and harm us. He said this, resist him steadfast in the faith. He said the, the, the devil's like a, a lion seeking whom he may devour. You resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. Somebody say in the faith. 
It's the weapon of our warfare, not only the truth of God's word, but the application of God's word through faith. This is what the Bible says. I trust in the Lord. I lean not to my own understanding. I'm believing God and I am resisting this enemy, this, uh, this opposition in the faith of God that he's given to me. Amen. Somebody say resist him steadfast in the faith. Say it. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Amen. And then, of course, John, the one that I, just comes to my mind, First John chapter 5, verse 4, he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is the victory that overcomes the world? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. Somebody say our faith. It's a weapon of our warfare. We fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says it's a fight of faith. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I've laid home to eternal life. And now there's laid up for me a reward, a crown of rejoicing. And what's he about to do? Enter into his, uh, his final freedom. That's why in Philippians 2, he said, my desire is to depart and be with Christ because I'll experience my final freedom. But to be, to be here and, and, and help and serve you is more beneficial at this moment. But he said, I, I'd rather be in heaven. I'd rather this fight be over with, but until then, we've got to keep fighting the fight. Amen. Warriors need weapons. Everybody say warriors need weapons. But number two, let me throw this out, and I don't know what time it is. You think we've got plenty of time? Oh, yeah, we got all kinds of time. I might throw in another point or two. Warriors need weapons because, listen, it's a battle out there. But number two, warriors need willpower. Somebody say willpower. Now, let me explain this to you. I had me a little mini rev. I don't know if y'all ever have mini revs. I have a mini rev. You just kind of thinking and reading, all of a sudden a little mini revelation comes to you. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be a Any revelation ought to be more than many, but a little mini rev today as I was reading and going through this and thinking about willpower because some of these directives uh, certainly reflect a necessity for some willpower. How about stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, right? Those are words of willpower. But here, let me give you the, the little mini rev. Go back to Jesus when he was in his darkest moment fighting his biggest fight just days before he was crucified on Calvary's cross. He asked his disciples to come and tarry with him at the place of prayer. He said, stay here and pray. And he went just a little further and there he began to pray and he prayed three times. If it's possible, Lord, please let this cup pass from me. Do you remember that? And the Bible says he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. This man was in the middle. Our Lord Jesus was in the middle of a fight for his future and the fight for our future. And in, in his natural man, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Three times. And after the third time, he began to realize, man, I've got to move forward in this. And he says, nevertheless, follow me now. Not my will but your will be done. Let me say it this way. God's will is full of power. God's will is powerful. And we need men and women of willpower. Not our own willpower, but His willpower. 
We submit to his will and his way in our life. And we say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know, that's conditional with most people too. We'll say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. As long as your will lines up with really what my will was. In other words, that really didn't make any sense at all. Uh, but hey, uh, Jesus said, I'm willing to go the distance. I want your will in my life. And when we get into the middle of God's will for our life, we realize it's God's will for us to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. It's God's will for us to resist the devil steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished or being experienced by our brethren around the world. We know it's God's will. Here's one. This doesn't sound very, uh, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't sound very warrior-like, but hey, we've got to, we got to have some willpower to flee after youthful lust, Paul said, and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. If we'll say like Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, and we plug into the will of God, we'll have capacity to stand fast, to resist, to flee the youthful lusts of our life and pursue after righteousness, faith, and love and peace. Warriors need God's willpower in their life. Everybody say, your will be done, Lord. Warriors need weapons. Warriors need willpower. I love the old hymns. We don't sing them a lot and I, it, it doesn't especially bother me that we don't. I understand things change, but I love this old hymn. It says, I shall not be... I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. What was the hymn writer saying? I got some willpower here. I'm not going to be knocked off this God's will for my life. I got the word of God, the faith of God. I've got the will of God. And finally, warriors need warriors. The only thing that I was thinking about this today, this is a mini, mini rev about this thought. Jesus was the only solo warrior. He fought all by himself and he won the victory at Calvary's cross. He was all alone. His best friends left him and forsook him. And he fought. In fact, if you look at the close of Paul's life, he had very few warriors who were alongside him. He told Timothy, he said, you need to raise up others. You need more warriors. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Raise up more soldiers. At the close of his life, he starts talking about those who left him. Demas has forsaken me, love, having loved this, this, this world. In other words, Demas didn't fight the fight. Demas didn't stay with it. And he named a few that, he, that, that were wonderful to him. But at the close of his life, he said, only Luke is with me. And then he says, bring Barnabas. He and Barnabas got a little cross-haired early in ministry, but then he began to realize the value of those that he had he, he had maybe judged a little prematurely. He said, Barnabas, bring him. He's useful to me. And then he says this, no one stood with me. He felt that way. But he said, the Lord stood with me. And we'll stand with him. 
You know, when you read that last chapter of 2 Timothy, you see the sorrow and the sadness of the fact that some of those relationships that Paul had were lost. You also see the value of those that remain. Let me tell you something, the world we live in, we're better together. We need one another. Warriors need warriors. We need one another and we fight one another, with one another, not fight against one another, but with one another. In fact, the Scripture talks about the fact that uh, at the place of prayer, uh, you know, we're better together. And we war together. Interesting to me sometimes when people go through things and they need, they need a friend and they need a, someone to war with them, they, they, they start slipping off and, uh, the, and get isolated. And I'm thinking, no, the last thing you need to do in the middle of the battle is isolate yourself. Because when you isolate yourself, you are a target for the enemy. Because understand something about God and His eternal purpose. He's raising up an army. He's raising up an army. There's a lot being said today and the, 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 you know, the members of SEAL Team 6. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much infatuated with, uh, I got a bromance, if you will, with these members of SEAL Team 6. They have glamorized them. They are bad hombres for real. They really are. And I, I could, I could never be a member of SEAL Team 6. I, I, I can't hold my breath that long. I'm telling you, these guys are like superhuman there. And, and I've got to thinking, man, that's what we need in the spirit realm. And I gave them a new name. I may have to do a series on this. It's called Zeal Team 6. In fact, Jesus walked into the temple and he saw the money changers. He went out and built him a cat of nine tails, came in, and he went to cleansing the... You just don't see Jesus like that. He came in there. He's hitting people. Get out of my house. This place is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. And all his disciples are going, OMG. And then they remembered what the prophecy said about him. And it says this, the zeal of the Lord of, of his house has eaten him up. We need some zeal team. Where they just go, it's time to go to battle. <sighs> and do whatever it takes. You want to be a member of Bree? You can be a member of the Zeal Team 6 or 7 or 8 or whatever. Listen, God's raising up an army. Remember in Ezekiel 37, and I'm going to close. Ezekiel had a dream and a vision. And I believe it's a dream of what God is doing in the spirit realm. He, he saw a vision of a valley full of dry bones. Can you see it? Just dead bones everywhere. If you have to close your eyes to see it. And, and, and God said, what do you see? He said, I see a valley of dry bones. And God said, start prophesying to the bones. He said, prophesy. So God gave him what to say to the bones. And, and so he started prophesying to the bones. Long story short, he began to see that these bones began to rattle and shake and began to come together. And the more he prophesied, the, 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 the sinew, the Bible says, came upon the bones. And before long, uh, all of a sudden before him stood an exceedingly great army. God's raising up an army from the valley of dry bones. That's what God is doing.
You see, we're in the middle of our fight for freedom and it's time to engage the enemy of our liberty. And there is an enemy. There are enemies. I read an article this morning, uh, Pastor Sonny sent me, it's, uh, I may post it online, I didn't have time. But it's about, uh, it's a global picture of what's going on in the world spiritually. And whether you realize it or not, here we are sitting in church today. Globally, the kingdom of God is advancing at breakneck speed. More people are being born again today. Not, I'm not talking about just numbers. I'm talking percentages. How many of you know that makes it real? Because of population growth. More people are being, more percentages of people are being born again globally today than ever before in the history of the world. You know what's happening? God's raising up an army. And we look at, in the world we live in, and boy, our culture and where we are, we're all sitting around as freedom fakers. And it's time we become freedom fighters. Begin to realize. In fact, this article said the church in America is fast asleep while the rest of the world is exploding with the gospel. There's a fight going on. There's a spiritual force of wickedness in this world trying to keep us from moving to another level of liberty. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Father, today, while we sit in the comfort of this sanctuary, there's spiritual battle going on for all of our families and our kids, our mamas, our daddies, our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our bosses. And here we are today. And Lord, not only do we want to fight for our new level, Lord, we want to fight for our family's new level of liberty. And Lord, just as the Nehemiah and his comrades rebuilt the wall, Lord, they said, fight for your brothers and your sisters. Lord, today, raise up warriors, freedom fighters from this church who will fight the good fight of faith and not only be personally victorious, but Lord, be corporately victorious. We pray for people in our church who are struggling with addictions. In faith, we speak over their life and we just rebuke physical addictions, emotional addiction, drug addiction, nicotine addiction. We pray for liberty and freedom. We have faith, Lord, in their behalf. And Lord, we're going to lean heavily into your word because we know it's the word of God that we know that will set us free. And I pray for those who may be battling a battle. 
Lord, in their life and in their family. I pray the Word of God would show its itself strong and mighty, Lord, and the faith of God would arise in their lives today, O oh God, and spiritual strength and stamina and the will of God, Lord, would rise up in them. And together today, Lord, we're better together. Lord, we war in the Spirit together over our church family, over those who are struggling spiritually, those who may be struggling morally, Lord, those who may be struggling, struggling emotionally and battling, Lord, fears and doubts and and depression, Lord, we rebuke those things, Lord, off their life. And we thank you, Lord, for freedom, Lord, coming to this house and freedom coming to our homes and freedom coming to our bodies, Lord, freedom coming, Lord, to this nation and to this world and to this community. New levels of liberty, God, today in Jesus' name. We war together. With every head bowed and every eye closed before we go. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor Sam, I just want to know for sure that I belong to Jesus. You're not sure of your eternal security. With every head bowed and every eye closed and you just wonder if you died today, you'd go to heaven. I want to pray with you. I want to get that fixed where you can begin to war against those things in your life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, uh, I, I, I just need to know for sure that Jesus lives in my heart, that I belong to him. I am his and he is mine. With, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to lead you to the, to the footsteps of Jesus, to the cross. If that's you today, just lift your hand wherever you are and say, pray for me. Anyone here, just say, I just need to know that I know that I know him. Amen. Anyone. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I know that I belong to him, but I've not been serving him. And today I want to make a fresh commitment to Christ to follow him as that discipleship word we looked at today. I want to be his disciple. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Father, today I thank you that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Today, I release this congregation, Lord, into the battlefield, equipped and empowered with the Word of God and with the faith of God in their life, equipped and empowered with the, with the will of God in their life, with the reality that we're warring in this together. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.